This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of... Kim. Yet oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. How is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater, and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family. And he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James, who was influenced by Thomas. Thomas saw an uncommon joy in Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim. Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met, and never will. So I was in Tennessee a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were picking up the kids, my grandparents, my grandparents, yeah, um, their grandparents on both sides. They live in Tennessee, and they had kept the kids while we were on the mission trip. So we went to go pick them up, and I'm talking to my sister. Now, we're already, we've already got the series planned out, know where we're headed, um, the whole deal. And I'm talking to my sister, and she said, Tim, I got to tell you this incredible story. And I said, man, I love stories. In fact, we're getting ready to talk about stories, so tell me a story, man. Tell me a good story. I love stories. How many guys love stories? You love stories? How many love to tell? Are you a good storyteller? 
Anyone in here? Are you a good storyteller? See, okay, I see your hand. See, this is actually, okay, Lene is being pointed to by Michelle, his wife. She's throwing you in the bus, man. I, I, see, I, it was like, I'm recruiting, so now I got a couple new names. Awesome. Um, but no, no, storytelling. And she said, I want to tell you this incredible story. It just happened a couple weeks ago. She says, so fresh. She said, uh, Kurt, who's my brother-in-law, was uh, speaking because the pastor was out of town. He's been a student pastor at this church for like 20 years, 20 years working with teenagers. Pretty awesome. And um, so he was speaking, senior pastor's out of town, Kurt's speaking, and he's a great communicator. And, um, and then she told me how that they had a guest speaker come in town, and then he spoke, and, and the pastor emeritus, basically that means a pastor who'd been there for a long time, sometimes like a founding pastor. Um, he had kind of... Uh, not really retired, but um, he was just kind of, you know, he wasn't the pastor of the church anymore. At one point, after decades, he kind of stepped away and travels and speaks. So, so it's Kurt and Christy, and it's um, one of the main pastors of this church. Um, one of, I'm just a solid man. And then a guest speaker. And she said, Tim, we went out to eat. And as we were eating, I was talking to Dr. Wallace's wife. And Dr. Wallace's wife told me as we began talking and just tell me about where you grew up, grew up, tell me about where you grew up. And he's, you know, my, my sister Christy shared how our mom had died and well, what's your mom's name? And uh, well, her name was Barbara Payne and oh my goodness. And all of a sudden there was a connection that was made because all of a sudden the pastor married his wife, Mrs. Wallace, um, started talking to my sister about how she used to have my mom babysit for her family. She was like, your mother used to watch my kids. Now, rewind, good movies always do that. They always throw back a little bit. But Dr. Wallace, his wife had died several years back and he remarried. So they've been there 20 years, but a newer marriage and all of a sudden this story just kind of rises from this table. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what my sister felt when all of a sudden she realized that she's sitting in the presence of a woman who knew her mom. And as they started talking, all of a sudden, this lady, Mrs. Wallace, had an aha moment. I mean, they're talking. They've been there for a while. They're just having a great time. And she has this great aha moment. And the aha moment was that my mom and Christy's mom, our mom, had told Miss Wallace way back in the day of the man responsible for her family being Christian. Little did Christy know that man was the guest speaker at the church that day. And so all of a sudden from an aha moment to a bigger aha moment, Miss Wallace got so excited. She's like, Christy, you're not, you're not going to believe this. This is crazy. But your mom told me. And so she, Don, Don, come here. And Don's sitting over there. And the men are kind of sitting over here. And the women, they're all talking. And Don comes over. And they start telling the story. And it gets more and more exciting. My sister, she just tears, just flowing down her cheek, one after another tear, after another tear. And, and, and sure enough, the, the man of God that my brother-in-law and sister were hosting, well, the senior pastor was out of town, was the man responsible for my mother's family's salvation because my grandfather was in the hospital and he didn't buy into the whole Jesus thing until he got the sick thing. 
And sometimes sickness has a way of making you think about the inevitable. The Bible says in in Scripture, it tells us that God has planted eternity in the human heart. That everybody wonders, like, what happens after life? Like, it doesn't matter. Even atheists, that, that that was planted, that was wired in them. It's in their DNA. It's core to the true fabric of who we are as humans, that there's this what happens after life. And Time Magazine still writes about it, and it's still from time to time on different magazines and newspapers and articles and all over social media. What really happens? Well, my grandfather was sick. And he, this man, Don Sisk, went to come in and see him. And he witnessed to him, and my grandfather gave his heart, he gave his life to Jesus. My grandfather then led his family to Christ, including my mom, who would one day go to Tennessee Temple University and meet my father, who was at Tennessee Temple University, and my dad studying to be a pastor and a church planner, and they would get married, and they would have... Um, a couple, I almost said beautiful kids, should you say that? <laughs> Have a beautiful daughter, Christy, and, and, and a wild son, Tim. And, um, and all of a sudden, over food, this story gets unpacked. Now, we're in the middle of a series talking about next steps. I'm so glad. I want to throw up the picture. Can I put up the picture here? I want to throw to the picture of Don Sisk. Don Sisk, a man of God, um, has been preaching the gospel for decades and honestly probably 60 years or more. And there at that table, my sister knew him and he knew her, but all of a sudden it was like God unveiled the mystery. Isn't that powerful? And as we're in the series talking about next steps, I'm so glad that he took the next step. I'm so glad that he walked across the room. I'm so glad that he realized that there was an opportunity and that it would take risk and then his approach would be critical. And if he would seize the opportunity and go ahead and get on board with the risk and if he would humbly through his approach, share the love of Jesus, all of a sudden God would show up. That's O-R-A-G, O-R-A-G, opportunity, risk, approach. That's how we share our story with people. And I've had you the last couple of weeks write out your story, then shorten your story. Last week we talked about shorten your story. I want to take us um, today to, I believe with all my heart, one of the most um, critical not only opportunities, but possibilities that we as Jesus followers have every day, every day. How many know that it's so hard to talk with family or friends about Jesus if they don't believe in Jesus? How many know what I'm talking about be true? How many know it's harder to talk to your family or your friends about Jesus than it is someone you just met? How many know what I'm talking about, right? Well, what if? What if all these balloons up here, what what if there's one person in your family, or what if there's one person in your, your social setting, what if there's one person 
wanted co-workers. That the truth is, they are this close, this close to giving their life to Jesus. Like, for instance, my grandfather. No, 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 he's a proud man. No, no, I don't need Jesus. I don't need Jesus. I'm a self-made man, right? And then sickness all of a sudden had him thinking, what if? And all of a sudden he was opened. See, God loves people enough that God will even allow sometimes hurt, pain, tragedy to soften people's hearts so they become open for us to share our story. And what if that one person, just like right here, this red balloon in the middle, all these other balloons, what if there is someone in your sphere of influence that's this close? In other words, they're ripe. They're ripe and they're, they're ready. They're just not sure how you begin a relationship with God. They, they've tried the religion thing. They've gotten hurt. They've gone to church. They've served They've gotten burnt out. They're discouraged. They're confused. They do not know how to get to God. And, 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 and what if God has someone, what if God has you strategically planted within the greater story? Because here's, here's what I know. When we sang today, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that so powerful? I pre- appreciate our band so much. I appreciate them. And you know what? I appreciate our setup team who got here super duper early this morning. Who's, who's set, I mean, they've set this up over the weekend to make sure that we could come here and sing to God. What, what, what if? What if there's someone that, that they're this close and, and, and just like as we sing, all of creation has been singing. We just kind of tuned in today. We kind of joined a greater song. We, we today joined a song that's been singing for, for centuries. We're just a little part of a greater story. And what if God strategically, you don't even know it, but what if God strategically has you planted with a boss who you have no clue what their life is really like? You have no clue how hurt they really are. And sometimes you just see on the outside this rough and tough persona, and yet on the inside, you have no clue how bad they wish that they had peace and they had hope. What if God strategically has placed you and your story at a table that is so going to connect with another story? What if? That's the God I serve. He's the God of the story. And and one of the reasons why I've encouraged us to shorten our story is because you never know when God is going to give you an opportunity to share your story. A couple of things real quick. I I said at the beginning of this series that when we listen to other people's story, we, we demonstrate respect and dignity. And that creates opportunity. It creates opportunity for us to then share our story. In other words, don't go in, don't go in, want to preach to somebody right off the bat. Jesus, um, it's funny in John four, which is where we are today. And I spoke a couple months ago on this and I'm going to hit a couple of the the verses that I I didn't really hit on. But in John four, there's this incredible story that's unpacked and, and it's Jesus. And, and, and you've probably heard this story before. And if you haven't, um, it's incredible because Jesus is tired the crowd has been pressing. 
He is tired, and so he sits down by the well. By the way, if you are tired, Jesus says, come to me, all of you that are weary. You're tired. You're exhausted. You are burdened, maybe burned. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Rest. And you know what I I love? Um, A yoke was a rabbi's teaching. That's what, that's what it was. And so if you, back in the day, if you were going to follow a rabbi, you, you had to be the cream of the crop. You had to be handpicked. Only a few made it. Uh, Jewish boys, by the time they were 10, they would have the whole uh, Old Testament memorized, verse for verse. They would have it memorized. And, and they, they, their dream was to be picked by a rabbi. Think about traveling teams, right? So you got different, different football, baseball, soccer teams, and even in elementary, then, you know, middle school, you know, travel teams. And man, if you're really, really good, then you're on this team. And, and man, we're hoping you continue and your skills will develop and, and you'll blossom because, man, mom and dad, we're banking on a, a full scholarship ride for you. And, and so you get around coaches and, and basically that coach looking saying, yeah, I think you'd be good enough. It happens all the time. I, I, saw, it, I saw it just in Knoxville the other day. These high schoolers, they're at Neyland Stadium and, and, and they're running routes and, and the coaches are out there and they're coaching them, but they're watching to see which one of these kids is good enough for me to offer them the opportunity to be coached by me. And that's what rabbis would do. They would look for these kids to see which ones had it and which ones didn't. And if they had it, they would be chosen. And they would be chosen because that rabbi believed that they could bear or wear their yoke. In other words, they could do what the the, the rabbi, the teacher, believed that one day they would be able to do what the rabbi did. That they would be able to teach just like the rabbi taught, and, and each rabbi, each rabbi had different yokes. They had different interpretations of scripture. And so they would take a, a verse in the, in the Torah, in the Septuagint, in the, the, the books of Moshe, Moses. They, w- they would take a verse, and, and one rabbi might have a little bit different spin on it. They had different yokes. But when Jesus came, he said, man, come to me. And f- come to me. All you that are tired and weary, you're, you're heavy burden. He said, I will give you rest. And then he said, take my yoke upon you. Because his yoke is light. His teaching is light. It's not not hard. Even the faith of a child can understand it. And Jesus, worn out by this trip, he sits down at the well. And a woman comes in the heat of the day because people would go early and they'd go late. And she went because her life was screwed up. I mean, bad. She was a screw up. I mean, she'd been married multiple times. She'd had multiple, multiple men in the house. And she was sexually damaged. And so she comes in the heat of the day trying to escape the ridicule, the, ridicule, the criticism, the gossip, and the rumors that were already part of her life. And it just so happens Jesus had, being God, knew what time and what well she would appear. And so Jesus takes his disciples, they go way out of the way to meet the Samaritan woman. And as Jesus is tired from the trip, any of you tired from a trip today? You, you tired summer, just been crazy. Business, business has just been booming. You need rest. 
Well, Jesus taught us what to do when he sat down by the well. That's what we call the presence of God. That's, that's why it's so important that we get alone with God, to sit down by the well and refuel so you don't run out of fuel. And this Samaritan woman is taken back because Jesus talks to her. And, and how in the world, you being a Jew, why, why would you talk to me? And, and she's coming, and, and, and you know the story. Um, Jesus asked her for a drink. And the disciples had already gone away because they, they were hungry. They were thinking about food. It had been a trip. They were hungry. And um, they're gone. It's Jesus and her at this well. Jesus begins his conversation. And he does what we ought to do when we share a story. And that is that grace always precedes truth. Jesus gives her grace he connects with her. He talks with her. He gets her interested. The first thing he does is not stand up and say, I know you're a sinner. I know what you did last night. He didn't, he didn't go there. He just cares for her where she is. And, and I really want to challenge us because our story is so powerful. And, and, and the greatest opportunity that we have reaching our friends and family is for us to listen to them. How are you? How about this question? Where are you? You get together, like, how's your life going? Like, no, really, like, you know, pushing all the, oh, it's great, everything's great. Let's really be honest. Like, how are you doing? How's life? What are you learning? What, what are you struggling with? What? And, and listening and listening, earning the right to then speak and share the story. And, and Jesus does this. And, and um, so she starts talking religionese. She's like, yeah, yeah, our fathers and Abraham and Jacob, one day they'll worship at this mount. She starts getting real religious, and oftentimes people do. And then Jesus brings truth into the equation. And after he's connected with her, he asks her this question. I love this. Um, John chapter four, are you there? John chapter four. I'm gonna read a couple verses, then we're gonna put a couple verses on the screen real quick. Um, verse 23, verse 24. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people that the Father is looking out for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before God in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit, and those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. And the woman said, I, I don't know about all that. I do know that the Messiah is coming, and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. And then Jesus says to her, he says, I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then, the disciples come back. Now, now you're thinking, if you know the story, you say, wait, 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 Tim, you missed the part. You missed, you, you missed the part. We did. And, and the part is that Jesus asked her to go get her husband, and, and she says, um, whoa, 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 I, I, I don't have a husband. Um, he says, go, go get your husband and come back. Let's talk some more. She says, I have no husband, she says. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. <laughs> you spoke the truth, and you're honest. And she's like, he read her mail. That was verse 16 through 18 in the message. Now watch what happens. 
So the disciples come back. And when the disciples come back, they are shocked. Their faces showed that they are shocked because Jesus is speaking to her. I said this a couple months ago, but I wrote in in my Bible, um, number one, what is my face showing? And then I wrote, who am I intentionally talking to that is shocking people? Verse 28, the woman took the hint and left. Now the text. Let's go to verse 39. We'll, We'll put that on the screens. Verse 39. John 4, verse 39. Here's our text for today. We're talking about the power of story. All of a sudden, this woman, we've been in John 9. We've talked about the man that was born blind. He had a story. He told people, I once was blind. Now I see. Watch what happens. This woman goes back to her village, verse 39 in the message. Many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. What was her witness? What was her story? Here it is. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside out. That's, that was what she told him. That was her story. She had shortened it. He, Jesus, he, he knows everything I've done. He knows me inside and out. Now, can you imagine why all of a sudden the crowd, the town, they wanted to go see and hear Jesus? Because they knew who this woman was. They, they knew. They knew who she was. They, they knew her 1-900 number. They knew she was promiscuous. They knew that she, she could not have just one man in her life. They, they knew her story. And all of a sudden, she's coming back changed. She's coming back changed. And you're saying he knew all about you? Well, we think we know all about you. We, we want to hear some more. We, we want to meet this man that told you all that you that knows all you ever did. And, and scripture goes on to tell us, John says, they asked him, that's Jesus, to stay two days. And a lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. Now watch, watch. Here's where, here's where I want to focus in on today. This woman, she meets Jesus unbelievable grace. He's so gracious. Then he's so truthful. She gets convicted, but she doesn't run because his approach is not like this, which makes me think of John three seventeen, which says that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, Jesus might be saved, rescued, given life. And so his approach, right, the ORAG, remember that opportunity, risk, approach, Jesus' approach was talking to her, was breaking down the walls in order to present the truth. He never forced himself. He didn't say, get on your knees right now. He didn't say, you're going to hell. This is Jesus, creator of heaven and earth. His approach was unparalleled, masterful, wonderful, so creative, so powerful. Maybe we can learn something from it. And Jesus is comfortable because Jesus is a friend of sinners. And then the disciples show up and mess it up. And she sees, and I I underlined this verse, man, I highlighted it, um, that that she says here, um, the woman, okay, no one said what they were all thinking, talking about the disciples, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and then she left. 
But she goes back. She can't contain her story because she's just had an incredible divine appointment. This was a cosmic collision with the creator. She goes back and she shortened her story and she tells everyone, come see, hear the man that knows everything I ever did. Little, short, powerful, had a hook. And the people want to know more. People want to know more. And it's so good. I believe in relational, building relational bridges with people and earning the right to present the gospel. I'm all about it. But I also believe that the scripture tells us we ought to be ready to give everyone an answer of the hope that's within us. In other words, be ready to tell your story. And tell your story, and not just tell your story, but we're talking about sharing your story, but, but not just tell your story, but, but tell, tell about the hero of your story. So for the next five minutes, can I just help us take some steps together? So you've got your story, you wrote it out, you shorten it, you're ready to go. Um, and I ask you to pray and to be ready to share. And you don't have to share it, but did anyone last week, I'm just curious, did anyone last week, um, we had people stand at the end, and man, if you're like, God, I really, I just want to be available to share that story with other people, my story for your glory. We had people stand, just curious, don't say a word, just raise your hand. Anyone in here, anyone in here, did God have a moment for you this week? Did God put anybody um, uh, maybe in your path for you uh, to talk about your story? Anyone raise your hand real quick? Okay, hands, awesome, I love it, I love it, I love it. Very cool, you can put them down. I wanna, I wanna give you a couple of things, ready? I want you to take out your tablets, your phones, if you got a pen, I want you to take down some really quick notes and um, we're, we're gonna go through this real quick. I wanna give you, I wanna give you story killers. Last week we said the greatest story killer was just one point. The greatest story killer is not sharing your story. If you don't share your story, then, then, it's wasted potential. Potential is one thing, but it can be wasted or fulfilled. So we talked about um, write out your story. Then the next step was shorten your story. Then, then this step is share your story and, and, and guard it against story killers. Here we go. A couple things. Watch out for story killers. Number one, long-winded stories. A long-winded story. You know, Jesus kept it pretty concise. So watch out for long-winded stories. Get to the point. Get to the point. They don't have to know about your uncles, grandmothers, brothers, dog, you know, that actually got along with the cat. It was crazy because that cat was from Texas. They don't have to know all that stuff, right? They just really don't care. Get to the point. Um, And and Bill Hybels, I love it. Um, In one of his sayings is, don't oversupply and kill the demand. Don't oversupply and kill the demand. Fuzzy stories, be clear. You know, I talked to someone one time and they're telling me this story and, and they're like, you know, and God, I was like, I, you know, I, I was like, man, I, ugh. like they, they just didn't have a clue. It was, you know, so fuzzy. It was like the rain. Did it rain here a lot the past couple of days? You know, I, I was going out of town, the bridge, man, I was, we were going 20 miles per hour on the three mile bridge. It, it just was not clear, was not good visibility. Sometimes stories can be like that. Um, just tell them, what were you like before? Write that down. What were you like before? So you've shared your story and then tell them, hey, I used to be like this. And then tell them why you pursued a faith experience. This is why. If it were my grandfather who's in heaven, he would say, I got deathly ill. They told me I was gonna die. And all of a sudden I started thinking, you know, God might not be so bad after all. I might wanna listen a little 
better about this whole God thing? Why did you pursue a faith experience? What happened? What happened once you pursued it? You know, I, I, I thought church sucked, to be honest with you, man. I used to go and we stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. I just, you know, I went, we sang these songs, you know, and it was just, ah, I just, you know, it was so boring, you know, and uh, I went to this church and it was dead and, you know, it was just, or I went to this church and they were fighting and, but, you know, and so I just, man, I didn't go for 20 years. I went to this church and I walked in and people turned and they looked at me and they looked at what I was wearing. And so I didn't darken the door. And, but after 20 years, after 20 years, this started happening in my life and that's why I was open to returning. Um, someone invited me. Someone gave me an invite card. Four people in one week gave me an invite to momentum. That's what happened. So, and then tell them what happened in your life. And then tell them what changed. What happened? And then tell them what changed in your life. What, how are you different? I used to be like, this is a husband. I used to, you know, maybe your story is, you know what? I was married four times. And, and you know, I kept finding it was always the other person's fault. It was always the other person's fault. And then all of a sudden, and then Jesus, then I realized, whoa, I had all these things. And I went back and I apologized because there was a wake behind me. And this fourth marriage is my last marriage because you know what? I'm not the person I used to be. Jesus made me new. Tell them what changed. Religionese, saturated stories. Religionese, right? It's religious terms. You know, and you know, and then I just realized that what I needed was the justification of all of the. Um, you know, I, I just noticed I was reading in the Bible, and it said, "Henceforth, O thou, thou is the biggest sinnerest that ever livestest." in the countryist, and when I read that, I said, oh God, this superfluity of naughtiness has, has persuaded my soul to become this rotten, and they're like, what? they like, not getting it, you know, don't talk in King James, that's, that's one thing we could just say, you know, it's a great, great Bible, great scripture, I'm not making fun of it, it was written, it was just written a long time ago, we don't talk like that. That's why I don't read King James. I'm not making fun of it. But it's, that makes, it makes it a little harder for people in 2014 to understand. When they open it up and they're like, superfluity of naughtiness. Hmm, okay. You know, and that was the one time they're like, God speak to me and they open the Bible and they're like, you know. <laughs> you know so, so put something, put the book of John. Give them the gospel of John because the end of John tells us that that John was written so that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Give them, give them, that's why we use the New Living Translation or the message where people can understand it. Don't speak in these religion, these terms, you know. You know, don't, you know, don't do that. Just, just, just be human. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me today? Superiority stories. You know, after my 47-day fast, I, I, I was just taken to the eighth heaven and I said to Paul, who was taken to a couple, I said, booyah. <laughs> and, and my spirituality was transcending to a whole new, where me, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and moi, you know, and, ah, no, 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 please, please, don't do that. Or the weird God stories, I was talking to a lady one day, and she's like, Tim, I just got to tell you, she's like, man, I was on my couch, and all of a sudden, Jesus appeared. And I'm pretty sure I looked at her like this. I thought, you're weird. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't appear. Not that he couldn't have, but something in the scripture says that, that you know, um, 
No man has seen God at any time. You know, Jesus walked with his disciples, but I'm not sure Jesus appeared last night at 2.30. That may have been the bad food you ate. Or, you know what I'm saying? But it's just the weird stories. And, and sometimes we all have stories where we know God. We're like, man, I woke up and I went outside and I looked and, and there were all these colors in my closet. And then I looked up at the sky and it was a rainbow. And then I just knew that God wanted me to marry him. Because the colors and then the rainbow, God had spoken. and You you think I'm stupid, I'm telling you. Um, I've heard so many crazy God stories. Don't share those crazy God stories when you're trying to reach somebody. They're not going to want to be reached. They're going to be like, that's good. See you. Don't share that. Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Um, Here's a couple questions, and we're through. Number one, on a scale of one to ten... Ask somebody, how fulfilling is your life right now? On a scale of 1 to 10, how fulfilling would you say your life is right now? How fulfilling? Might be a salesman, saleswoman, businessman, businesswoman. They're climbing to get to the top. They're working hard. They're busting it. But there's something missing. It's a great question. Then just ask them, well, what makes it a 4? What makes it an 8? What makes it a number? What about this question? Would it change? Would that number change, do you think, if God were in your life? Oh, what about this question? How do you think God would rate your life? Oh, now we're getting, see, it's kind of like Jesus, the mom. He started way here, and then he's kind of bringing it in here, right? He's, he's starting to get to it. Um, what about this question? If you stood before God, And he were to ask you, why should I let you in to my heaven? What would you say? Or the question I grew up with was an oldie but a goodie. If you were to die right now, you know, you don't start off with this question. Don't start off. Hey, Bob, nice to meet you. Thanks, Sam. Awesome, Bob. And what do you do for a living? Cool, man. Hey, if you were to die right now, you know, don't start off. Don't go there just yet. But a powerful hook. Man, you know, you told me your life is here. You told me that, that, that your, your health is waning. Man, I just want to ask you, man, if, if tomorrow never came for you, if you never opened your eyes, do you have peace with God? Do you know for sure, man, you'd be in heaven? with God and if they say yeah absolutely or I'm not sure well why, why would you say that they say I'm a good person my good works have outweighed my bad works I go to church I've been I've never killed anyone I'm a good person write this down real quick and I'm through Ephesians 2 Ephesians 2 8 and 9 for by grace are you saved through faith faith doesn't save anyone we have a saving faith but faith alone it's faith in Christ It's not faith in this religion or faith in that religion. It's faith in Jesus Christ. That's saving faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's it's a gift of God. And it's definitely not by works. Because if it were, people would boast. And so you just, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Titus 3, 5. Just tells people that it's not by our good works. And most of the time, people, if you ask a man, if if you showed up and you're outside heaven, there's the gates. And Peter said to you, he said, man, man. I'm supposed to ask everyone this question, but I got to ask you, like, like, why do you think you should get in here? What would you say? Most people will give you a works-based answer, and they will say, because I've done, because I did, because I was good, and it's all about good works, and 
unless it's Jesus, that ticket won't get you through. And so I want to challenge you and challenge me. Be ready to share your story and then give God the glory because he's the hero of your story. And then share them, Jesus. It's simple. There are people out there, guys. I know you hear this every week and it's intentional. Every week towards the end, I'm always going to point people to the cross. Where else do we point? Where else do you point people? I'm always going to point people to the cross. How many people in my life and in your life has God set the table and the God cam's watching and all heaven is leaning in and they're watching? And just like that video, God has people in your pathway for you to have experienced what you experienced the hurt, the pain, maybe the betrayal. Maybe the lies, the divorce, whatever it was. But in that, God met you in the mess and turned it into a miracle. And God gave you a powerful story. How many people in your life will connect with your story? And then you can just introduce them to Jesus. I mean, what they do with Jesus is up to them. We just introduce people. That's all we do.